New Zealand is a great nation, isn't it? It's a small nation in popularity comparative to many places of the world. But my goodness me. What did I say? Popularity, did I? I meant population. Uh, but my goodness, what great people have come out of New Zealand. And what an influence. What an influence this church has on the world stage. With David going to Pakistan. Talking to the grand imam in Pakistan. And working with others and thousands being saved. And just being a part of that. When somebody goes out from this church, this church goes out. And I believe somebody's going to the Philippines for six or nine months or something. Then this church is going to the Philippines. And all the people that have passed through this church over the years and have for whatever reason moved on somewhere else to work or something, but this church has had an input into their lives. That's the size of this church. The outreach into Taiwan and into Hong Kong, I think, or Singapore, Indonesia, and the thousands of lives that have been changed there. That's the size of this church. It's your influence. It's a mighty church. It's a great church and has had a great impact. And uh, a great church is the hope of the world. The government, thank God for governments, we need them. But the church is the hope of the world. Tonight I'd like to talk about a subject that has meant so much to me through the years that I have learnt this subject, which I didn't know at the start of my life. I'd never heard about it, I'd never thought about it. I want to talk about the power of focus. To have a focused life. The people who have achieved great things, whether that's a, a mother, a father, grandma, granddad, a business person, a faithful employee, a pastor, people who have achieved great things have all been people who have mastered the power of focus, a focused life. Powerfully focused life. A bushfire has got an enormous power attached to it. But an acetylene torch is concentrated and will cut through steel. Bushfire will warm it up. And your life can be a bushfire or it can be an acetylene torch depending on whether you've mastered focus in your life. Of the great people, you would have to number amongst the great of the greats on the world stage in the Apostle Paul. For he is still affecting the world 2,000 years after he lived. That has to make him great. He has affected my life dramatically and millions on the earth today he's affected. Listen to some things the Holy Spirit said through him. Philippians 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, my own standing with God, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now this is the verse. That I might know him, the focus of his life. That I might know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection, not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on 
that I may lay hold of that for which I am laid hold, for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was an amazing man. By any standard, Paul was an amazing man. By any standard, he lived a focused life. By any standard, he achieved incredible greatness. And by any standard, he had influence across the world that kings and emperors have never had. He has affected so many lives. He mastered the power of focus. Paul was always directing our focus to God and God in us. He was always putting our focus there. He said, Christ in you is the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. He said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You're always putting your focus on Christ, on God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in you, round about you. He said, I determined to know Him and Him crucified. I determined it, the focus of His life. I don't know what the focus of your life is. I do know that at one stage I only had vague focus. And because I had a vague focus, whatever came up in front of me gained my attention. If somebody hurt me, if some disaster struck, that's where my focus went. I didn't have a grand obsession. I didn't have a great destiny. So my life was like a bushfire. And I was a manager of whatever disasters happened to come my way. Whatever attracted my emotions or my thinking, that's where my life went. Is there anybody here that is living your life like that? There's one, there's two, actually three. But, and I think could be a few more. But if I could help you tonight, if you would let me be your friend, and with the aid of the Holy Spirit, sharpen your focus, or get you to go home and work on your focus, your life will become great, powerful, and you'll find you can do almost anything. Look at this amazing man. He, he knew something, this guy. I tell you, he's been an inspiration to me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, he's talking about people were comparing him to other apostles. He said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I'm more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths or facing death often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. And those blokes were trained to put the cane across your back. They could open it up, the cat of nine tails. Plow your back. They could pull that whip so it dug a furrow through your back. By the time the 39th stripe hit you, you'd be a bloodied, horrible mess. And he went to the next town and lined up for another one. That's focus. Five times he received that. Three times I was beaten with rods. And those blokes know how to bring the rod down too. And you can't escape. He had to be focused on Christ to keep going, I would say. I wonder where you would be by then. Is your focus strong enough to carry you through the adversities of life? If you've never had an adversity yet, you're very fortunate. 
If you live a bit, little bit longer, most likely you'll strike one. If your focus is sharp, if your focus is determined, it will carry you through any adversity that life or the devil throws your way. But if it's not, the adversity will become your focus and it'll get inside of you, in your brain and in your emotions and in your spirit, and it will destroy your greatness. Learn focus. Three times I was shipwrecked. That's a fair bit. Once I was stoned. I wouldn't like that. Have you watched on TV those Middle Eastern blokes throwing stones? They can throw them like Kiwis and Australians throw a cricket ball. One of those rocks hitting your jaw would certainly give you a toothache. And he didn't get one of them. They stoned him till they left him for dead. Yet his focus that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. If by any means I might attain the focus of a great man's life. Is your life truly focused? on God? Is God worth that much to you? Is your eternity worth that much? What value do you place on your life with God? What value do you place on Christ's suffering and crucifixion on your behalf and His resurrection from the dead? What value do you place on it? Because that'll, you can't have a high focus unless you have a great value. A night and a day, I've been in the deep when he got shipwrecked. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, when those you love and trust turn on you. They want position or power or something. When people you love turn on you, could be in your own family, and it hurts. Is your focus great enough to hold you through such times and drive you on to your ultimate success? Or will the things that come your way deflect you from the focus of your life? Do you have a focus? If you don't, You'll wander here, there, and everywhere in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, the concern I have for all the churches. I take my hat off to you, Paul. You're a great man. That you had so developed the power of focus that your life was an acetylene torch and nothing deflected him from his great destiny, his grand obsession that I'll know the God who created me, the God who came and died for me, and that I'll know something of the power of His resurrection. Let it rest on me. And it certainly rested on Him. An amazing man. But you and I have the potential to be an amazing individual. It wasn't Paul that made himself an amazing man. It was the Christ in him. He lived by the power of the one who lived inside of him. And the power of the living God that lived in him. He learned to drop down in his spirit and find that resurrection life that had come to live in him and put him up again and again and again and again. And when he finally, they killed him, he said, I'm ready to lay down my life. And to be poured out as a drink offering before God. 
is the last thing I can do. So here I am, Timothy. You carry on the fight. You carry on. Pass the baton to your man. To some people, they'd shrink a bit if that baton was handed to them. They'd say, am I ready for this? Do you love me, Paul, handing this baton to me? Depends where your focus is. If my focus is on me, I'm not sure that I'd want that baton. But if my focus is on the world turning for Christ, then I'd say, give me the baton. Let me run with it. I'll take it. So we all can have such an amazing life because the same Christ that lived in Paul lives in you if you're born again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10, again we read of this rather remarkable man. But he was remarkable because he learnt the power of focus. A focused life, not on himself, but on the one who lived inside of him. If you're a business person, the one who lives in you is the greatest business person that ever lived. He thought of it. He created the gold, the silver, the coal, the oil, the gas. Long before anybody ever knew they needed it, he'd already created it, hidden it in the earth. For it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, and it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. And you don't find nuggets of gold, not usually, in your front yard when you mow the lawn. You've got to go and dig for them. They're often in rugged hills. If you want them enough, you can dig for them. If you want Christ enough. Verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Hey, Paul, you've had enough already, mate. Like, like for goodness sake. What would you be saying now? Now there's a thorn... A messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. How many of you like it when Satan buffets you? Mm. Horrible experience, isn't it? Do you ever complain when he buffets you? Gives you an impression and your head feels like it's mashed eggs or something? Do you ever complain? Paul said, the messenger of Satan was sent to buffet. The meaning of the word is like waves smash up against a wharf. They keep on coming. They keep on coming. They keep on coming. And wherever Paul went, these demons went with him. They kept on buffeting him, buffeting him. Oh, he mastered the art of focus or he would have quit. He would have quit. What would make you quit? What would make you quit? Can you think of anything? What if a messenger of Satan came and buffeted you around for a while? Personally, I'd go and see Pastor McConnell. <laughs> but if he'd gone away on holidays just when this devil came, what would make you quit? Anything? If you had mastered the art of focus, you would rise up in your spirit and bring the power of the cross against that devil and give him the worst day of his life. Yeah. And then you'd hit him with the blood of Jesus again and again. And that devil wished he would never have woken up that morning by the time you, a saint of God, was finished with him. Depends whether you've got the art of focus. Otherwise, you can feel this buffet, this Satan buffeting me. And I say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Why are you letting... I don't know what's the matter. I used to love you, Jesus, and now all I can feel is this devil buffeting me. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'll sit down and cry. <laughs> Depends. If you don't have a focus, whatever comes your way can attract your focus. And if that's a devil, I'm sorry for you. He's not going to help you. He's not going to give you any good moments. He's going to give you hell. That's who he is. You, 
to describe him effectively, I'd have to have the language I lost when I got saved. <laughs> Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Not sure that I'd like that answer. I'd like him to take the devil away. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. Listen to him. Therefore, I most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. That's his sicknesses that came to him. That the power of Christ might rest on me. Therefore, oh, listen to it. I take pleasure in infirmities. Oh, it's a new approach to being sick. <laughs> in reproaches. Do you like it when you get reproached? When people say all manner of false things about you and, and besmirch your character? What is your response to that? Oh, stupid people. I don't know why. Paul, as I take pleasure in that, I'm going to glory in it. That the power of Christ will rest on me. In needs. How many of you have enjoyed, enjoyed needs? Not wishes, needs. He said, I'm going to take pleasure when I've got a need. I wonder what Jesus is going to do to help me now. That was his focus. A man with the focus that Paul had, the only thing could stop him was death. Nothing else could. Kill me, I'm going to hurt you, devil. With his response. What's yours? What's yours? In persecutions, he takes pleasure in them. In distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because in my weakness, I've learned to drop down into the strength of the resurrection within me. And his strength flows through me in a very tiny way. A couple of weeks ago, I was going to the north side of Brisbane. The day before, the fluid started to come on me. There was a nasty bug going around Brisbane. My throat was raw. I couldn't stop coughing. And I was driving to the north side, down a 45-minute drive, where I was going to speak that night. My throat was raw. I coughed the entire way there. I couldn't stop coughing. I was saying, Jesus... What am I going to do about it? And a thought came into me, the resurrection lives inside of me. So all the way there, I said in my thinking, because I was coughing too much to talk much, I was thinking the resurrection power of Jesus is going into every raw cell in my throat. I coughed, the pastor had me have dinner with him, and I coughed through dinner, poor pastor. <laughs> and I got to the church and walked in the door and the coughing ceased, and my voice was clear. And I preached that night, and we had a wonderful night. I prayed for a lot of people, and God did some great things. On the way home, I started to cough again. But I'd learnt. I dropped down, and I said, the resurrection is within me. I woke up next morning totally free of that rotten thing. It's your focus. Now, God created all of us like this. We don't like pain, and we do like pleasure. All of us are like that. We avoid pain. We go away from pain. And if confrontation is pain, you avoid it. If discussing matters with your wife is painful, you try to keep away. Whatever it is that's painful, you try to avoid it. Being on your own is painful. You be with anybody at any cost just to be loved. Let them do anything at all to me, just so I can be held. But if your focus was on that I am going to live a life that will glorify Christ, you give him the shove. Absolutely. So Paul had learned this. So he said, in my brain, 
I'm going to attach pleasure to infirmities, for now I'm going to see the power of the cross heal me. That was his pleasure. This sickness has come, now the power of Jesus will be demonstrated. He wasn't focused on the infirmity. He was focused on the power of God to heal him. But Clark, mine's painful. I'm sure when he got stoned and left for dead, it was pretty crooked too. <laughs> he didn't exactly have an easy trip. No, no. I wouldn't like the rocks dropping me like that. Get up. And this guy snuck back in at night because he woke up. He only looked like he was dead. To encourage the believers he had, he'd only been there a few weeks. Must have left one as pastor. Poor guy never had a New Testament or anything. It was still being written. And he crawled off and hobbled off to the next town. So if you had rocks land on your back and your chest and your stomach and your head and your face and your eyes and your mouth, and you'd look a bit of a bloodied mess. And I'm sure you didn't just go jogging down the road saying, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. You might have hobbled down the road saying, Jesus is Lord, I take pleasure in this infirmity. I take pleasure in this pain, for now the power of Christ will rest on me. I take pleasure in my difficulty, for now the power of Christ will rest on me. I wonder how long the hurt from those stones lasted. By the time he got to Berea, which was not far away, one or two days' walk, by the time he got there, he was preaching the gospel again. And the same guys that had stoned him and left him for dead heard he was preaching there, and they followed him. And they got into him and drove him out. He escaped from that town. He got to Iconium, which is not far away from there, and he was preaching the gospel the next Sabbath, the Bible says. You couldn't stop this fellow. He had a focus. And if anything happens to me, the power of Christ will come. When he was shipwrecked, and then they finally got him onto an island, on hanging onto a bit of driftwood. He was having a Mediterranean cruise. He got landed on this island. And then the natives were there. And they go around and they lit a fire and he's trying to warm himself. A snake come out and bit him, a deadly snake. Man, can't this bloke ever get a fair go? You could excuse him for saying, I was born under an unlucky star. Any of you ever think you've got some bad luck? Nobody? Well, that's good. You can excuse Paul for having the odd thought, but he didn't have it. His focus was locked in. Hey, I take pleasure in this snake. If any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. And he shook it off into the fire. They waited for him to die, but he lived. The power of the resurrection that he set himself to know was on him. I don't know if you've ever struck an adversity on your way through life, but most likely you have. I don't know where your focus was or whether you had learned that the power of the resurrection is going to help me now. I don't know how. haven't got a clue, but I don't have to. The shepherd of my soul will help me in some way. He'll help me in some way. In some way. I don't know what your focus is. Some of you young fellows and young ladies. Grand obsession. When he had needs, everything, infirmities, pleasure. And when I saw this, I developed a track in my brain. Trouble, Jesus. It used to be trouble, whinge. How many of you have got that track in your brain? Trouble, complain. Anybody got that one? I was the president of the Self-Pity Society of Australia. <laughs> and when I saw this sort of truth and I resigned, the headlines of the national paper said, hundreds killed in the rush to take his place. <laughs> but I left it behind me. It never helped me. In the rush 
to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Wonderful thing. What's your focus? On me? If your focus is on me, you'll sing that song. Poor me, poor me. Poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me. Don't know what I ever did to deserve this. Poor me, poor me. Poor me, and whoever you can find, you'll tell them about poor me. Have you seen my latest operation? Mm? <laughs> poor me, poor me. And it didn't heal properly. See, it left a scar, see? Poor me, poor me. Poor me. Poor me. Poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me. Oh, the Satan has sent to buffet you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Uh, I hope somebody would get it. What do you do with your life? Do you have a grand obsession? You say, Clark, I haven't got one. Make Jesus it. Make to know him and the power of his resurrection your grand obsession. That won't stop you being a great businessman. You'll just become the greater one. Or a great employee, or a great mother, or a great father, you'll be greater. Or a great university student, you'll be greater. For the wisdom of Christ will be given to you. You'll be smarter. You'll be cleverer. Your memory will get better if you constantly focus on Him. When He's distressed, pleasure. When I'm weak, I'm strong. He had these tracks built in His brain. It triggered His brain. What triggers have you ever put in your brain that'll send you from a potential disaster to victory? I wonder what ones. You've got to work at it to put them in there. That's what I've found. That I've worked at it and to a vague extent I've got them there. Pain to Paul was failure to preach Christ. That'll give me pain. More pain than the rocks. Pleasure to Paul was Christ is glorified. Paul was focused. How does focus work? How does this thing go? Well, you and I are constantly evaluating things that come to us. And things come to us all day, throughout the day, every day. For life is not a stagnant pool. Life is forever changing. Relationships. A friend gets sick. Uh, somebody close to you dies, you have a car accident. I'm not saying these things are going to happen to you, God forbid. But I'm saying life is forever throwing up challenges. A friend uh, doesn't understand why you said what you said and gets offended. Challenges come. These challenges are the greatest threats to our focus. So I have to practice my life in what I call the theater of the imaginations of my heart, where I and the Holy Spirit, when times are good, at a time and a, an emotion of my choosing, not circumstances choosing, I can face every possible circumstance that might come my way, and I can have victory. Not once, but heaps of times. Practicing life with the Holy Spirit and His power so that when the danger comes, I will have worn a track in my brain and I can meet it in a godly manner. So we evaluate things that come to us. We do it automatically. Just like if you're driving a car at 100 clicks an hour. You're not a phlegmatic. You're, you drive at 100 clicks, if you're here this morning, that is. And Anne still loved me. If you're driving a car and trucks and that are coming towards you, you have to evaluate it. If you're coming to a stoplight, I think our brain is incredible. You can apply the brakes just gently at the distance back that will stop you in a gentle stop just as you come to the light. That's, that's a mathematical genius. If you've done that, you are a genius. It's incredible. I often think to myself, how did I work that out? And I worked it out effortlessly. I must be a mighty genius. And to accelerate, 
to get to 100 clicks just as soon as I got to a permission to get to 100 clicks. Absolute genius. And I missed all the trucks and cars that were coming towards me. Mind you, I, I haven't ever driven in India or Asia. <laughs> There's that many coming towards you there. I think you must hit one. <laughs> focus, if you've got your focus set on a great destination. It could be, I'm going to be a teacher. And in my life, I will teach thousands of students. I will have most likely the largest church in New Zealand over the course of my life if you put all the students together. Far greater. And the government even built the building for me. I got a dream. And every day I can brood over those people in the Holy Spirit and put the atmosphere of God over that class. Day after day, after day, after day, and I'll see them change. I've got the grand obsession of my life. There'll be thousands of people who will be glad that I lived and chose teaching as a profession. Or maybe you're going to run a home business or a major business. But why don't you add some focus to it? I'll run this business and I'll make three mission trips a year to some poor country and I'll fund the digging of three or four wells a year and I'll take some food for children, give it away, and when they come, I'll preach the gospel to them. I've got a reason to make some money now. I've got a reason to work 15 hours a day when my wife doesn't need me. I've got a reason to live. I've got a destiny. I've got a grand obsession. What is there about stuffing a million dollars in your account? That's all so smart. Well, it's pretty smart if you can do that. But if you could take some of that and build some people in desperate need or set up a medical clinic and go around and gather some stuff from doctors and everybody else and your money that you've earned pays the excess luggage if you can't talk the airlines into giving it to you for free. It'd do them good if they did join you on this great quest of your life and take a doctor with you preferably he'll donate his time because that'll give you more money your money to go into more medicine and set up a clinic in the Philippines or somewhere where these people that I've been and seen save up money to buy one Aspro not a packet one Aspro because they're in terrible pain. And you know, one Aspro won't take it away. But it's all they can afford. And if they get sick, they have no savings. Because they earn their pay for today and go down to the market to buy their food to eat tonight. But I could mix, make some money and take ten, fifteen, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 if I'm smart at making money, take it with me and I can form a clinic and I can help these people. Oh, what a grand obsession. What is your destiny? Your focus? What will you be remembered for when it comes your time to leave this world for that time will surely come? Oh, I remembered I left $6 million in the bank. Mm, big deal. I'm glad for you if that's what you want. But boy, come and talk to me and I could tell you how to spend it. <clears throat> and I'm sure this bloke could too. You wouldn't mind, would you? Oh, give us half a chance. So, focus. Your focus keeps you on course. We are Christians. We are Christ-indwelt people. So I've got a faith in the Christ in me and His power to get me there. Enjoy the journey that you'll have. Obstacles then will only strengthen you and strengthen your resolve. 
they won't destroy you. That's the truth. I know. Now, to evaluate things is simply asking questions. And learning to ask good questions is truly the secret of a great life. Absolutely. If you don't learn to ask the right questions, wrong questions will spring up like weeds in the garden of your soul. You don't have to try. They'll just come. Somebody hurts you. Why on earth did they do that? I don't know why they did that. I didn't do anything that I know of to hurt them. And that hurt becomes the center of your focus. It lives in your head and it lives in your emotions. And you walk around it and you look at that hurt from every possible angle. And you go to bed that night and you can't sleep. You think about it all the night too. Because that man hurt me. Well, that lady hurt me. And I don't know why he hurt me. Can you tell me why he hurt me, Pastor Mike? You don't know either? You're a man of God and you don't know? I, I am devastated. Anybody ever said that? I am devastated. Anybody ever said that? I shows me the focus was wrong. The questions were wrong. Sure, I don't understand why he hurt me. What can I do about it that will make my life better in the next week? Well, I can start to use positive, powerful, faith-filled confessions. I can start to say, Jesus Christ will help me and he'll take me through. And I can also bless those who despitefully use you and persecute you. And I can say, I bless that person, that man, woman, I bless them. For if you bless them, it won't take long till the hurt and the pain disappears out of your heart, I know. But if you don't bless them, it'll live inside of you. So when Jesus told me to bless those who despitefully use me and persecute me, he wasn't being nasty to me. He was actually helping me get free. And if you try it, just give it a go. You'll find it works like magic. And you give it a go for two weeks. Most likely it won't take two weeks. Most likely it'll take three days. And most of the sting will have gone already. Absolutely. So bless them. Do they deserve blessing? Most likely not. <laughs> Why do you do it then? Because God told me to. Exactly. Come on, preacher. And because he told me to, I'm his child and I've learned to obey my father. Well, now that takes some doing sometimes, doesn't it? Like obedience. We all, we human beings, love to obey. We want our children to obey, but we are big children and we're not that fussed on it ourselves sometimes. But when you learn there is pleasure, in obeying God, you'll do it. So, so, asking questions all the time. This is the sort of wrong question that's like a weed that we tend to ask. Why does these sort of things always happen to me? Why? And your brain is the grand computer of all computers. They tell us that everything you've ever heard or felt is stored there. And you've heard all sorts of things. So the answer could come up from the computer searching the data bank of your life. And it might say, because you're cursed. Well, that'll make me feel happy. Hmm. Well, I better go and see Pastor Mike. I'm cursed. I'm cursed. I'm sure I'm cursed. Sure I'm cursed. I'm better. But if, friend, you knew the power of the Christ in you and you took that thing, if I am cursed, my God, I'm going to give it a hard day. Yes, come hmm. on, come on. The violent take heaven by storm. Yeah. There's got to be in a bit of aggression in you somewhere. Yes, come on. Absolutely. Don't lay down and let him kick you. Stand up and kick him. Yeah. Absolutely. Get some spunk into you. Absolutely. Uh, it's all, it all can just give you such a, a terrible time unless you master it properly. This focus. 
It could be the answer might because you're hopeless. Or maybe because you're dumb. Maybe because God doesn't love me now. I don't think he does. Why would all this happen to me if God loved me? He's got the power to keep it away from me. I don't know why God lets all this stuff happen to me. That's what Paul could have said. I really don't know why God lets all this happen to me. Oh God, I'm hurting now. I thought I was healed from those stones, but thinking about it brings it all back. My back's crook. Oh God, my back's getting worse while I think about it. Oh, my hip's starting to hurt. I can feel it pinching me just there. And my shoulders are hurting too. And my neck bones as well. I think I'd better lie down and get Anne to bring me a cup of coffee in bed. <laughs> and, oh God, I made it. I don't know if I'll ever be make it to get her up. I might have to get Anne to help me. Oh God, why do you let all this happen to me, God? Oh God, I just set out to follow you, Lord. You know, I am stoned and shipwrecked and jailed and beaten with rods and cat of nine tail. Oh God, Lord God Almighty, you tell me to go and win the world. Why don't you help me? <laughs> Would your focus have taken you through it? Or do you need to work on your focus? What about you in your life? If I carry on, this will be a long sermon, I can tell you. <laughs> I almost felt like going to sleep up there. <laughs> the question could be, for some of you, on Monday morning, when you try and wake up, why do I have to get up? And the answer could be, because I've got to go to rotten work. And that might be the most exciting statement you make all day <laughs> as you live this dull life of yours. We are a funny bunch, aren't we? But life is asking the right questions and avoiding the wrong questions because the database in your brain will answer every question. And it doesn't know always the truth. It'll bring up all sorts of junk. And then you'll give it your consideration, your focus. Maybe I am cursed. Whoa, my great-grandfather was in the Masons? Ooh, maybe. God help the curse if it wants to latch onto me. I'll give it hell. You ask questions all the time. Your feelings come from what you focus on without a shadow of a doubt. Let me slip along here and get to, towards the end of this message. These are some good questions. How can I be more energized than I am today? Why, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ starts to light me up, I'll get energy. I could think about that for five minutes, three minutes. Yeah, the resurrection life of Jesus coming up in me. Put a spring in my step. Even if I'm on a walker, my walker will go a bit faster. <laughs> yes, it will. I read about old age the other day. And the definition of old age is when you get in a rocker and you can't make it go. Yes. Or when you bend over, you think, what else can I do while I'm down here? <laughs> yes. What is great in my life right now? I remember asking myself that question when I was lying in hospital facing a... Uh, they all told me I was going to die. My heart had failed 19 times and I had a mechanical heart. Well, they told me I couldn't get anything. But anyhow, God opened up the door. I got a mechanical heart put in. And, and then when I got the mechanical heart put in because I prayed for the sick, 
for about 40 years. And I had, had to carry around batteries to keep the titanium pump running, you know. <laughs> and the first day I walked back into my church carrying the batteries to keep my pump running so I could stay alive while I preached. And I had to sit on a chair because the batteries were heavy and so I had to put them in my lap so I could no longer walk about. And I learned to be still while I preached. And I preached sitting down. It was rather a humbling experience with somebody who's believed God to heal the sick for many years. But my focus was on God you can bless people with some words, even if I can't walk around so good just now. I learned what I'm talking about tonight. So I made the appeal and lots of people came out to get prayed for. So here I was carrying the batteries to keep my pump running in one hand and laying hands on with the other hand. And would you believe it? We had healings and wondrous things happen. The power of God fell. There was bodies everywhere. It didn't worry God a fig, me carrying the batteries. It worried me a bit, but it didn't worry God. We put God in a little box, but he jumps out. We think God's got to do thus and so. He ain't got to do anything at all that he doesn't want to do. He's God. If he wants you with a pump in your heart, a titanium pump, then you're blessed if you get one. Otherwise, you get a coffin, one of the two. Now I started to think all the things that were right with me. My kidneys were going okay, my lungs were good, most of me was good, had a crook neck, but that's only about three inches of me. And the small of my back line, that hospital bed was aching, but that's only a few inches of me. My legs were okay, my feet were okay. And by the time I got through all that was right with me, I was feeling happy. Yeah, I thought, man, the only thing wrong with me is my heart. That doesn't take up much room at all. You know? <laughs> Apart from my heart, I'm pretty good, you know, in good shape. One of the nursing sisters came in. I'd just been going through all this in my head. She said, how are you? I said, I'm fantastic, actually. She said, I think you might be in denial. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. I've just been thinking about everything that's right with me. And I named them all off to her. And she stood there just shaking her head. And she said, Mr. Taylor, you are in a very serious condition. I said, most of me is good. <laughs> and I really meant it. I was totally convinced about it. Now God only had to heal one little bit of me. Yeah, that's, right. that's all he had to do. And I wouldn't mind if he touched my neck and the small of my back while he was at it. <laughs> God makes a way for us. Oh, where's your focus? But God told me, I was going to walk through the land of Australia one more time. And I knew I hadn't done that yet. So I didn't reckon I could die. Absolutely. So, mind you, I successfully died five times while I was preaching in that church. And they, the paramedics wheeled me out. That's a humbling experience too. <laughs> Very hard to be proud after that. <laughs> but I was back next Sunday. I was preaching again, and the power of God fell, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> what will take you off your focus? That's my question. How powerful is your focus? I want to complete my course, and I'm not done yet. I'm going to walk through that land one more time. He told me so. He told me rivers of miracles will flow from me. Now I've seen a lot of miracles and I could list them out to you and it would sound wonderful. But the miracles have been spaced with lots of no miracles and then miracles. But I've seen people born with cerebral palsy healed. I've seen all sorts of stuff. But I've seen too many spaces to talk about all the miracles. But he has promised me Rivers of miracles will flow from you. I wasn't going to die before I find that. And so I didn't. <laughs> I lived. I had to get another heart, but 
That's okay. They took mine out, threw it in the rubbish and popped another one in. <laughs> wonderful, really. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> so now I've had to build this heart, you know. Oh. It was like in my early days, I was, felt like preaching all the time. I didn't know it was God stirring me up. I'd preach to the cows, getting them in to milk them. I would. Make appeals, because I got saved under Billy Graham. Then I'd preach to my windscreen, driving my car along. I tell you what, when you can get that to come forward, you're good. <laughs> get my windscreen saved, rededicated, everything I could think of. Absolutely. And it broke, so I could start in the next one. Evaluating life is asking questions. I've talked long enough, haven't I? So, there we go. But there's such a wonderful thing in focus. Focus keeps you on track. What is your grand obsession? If you don't have one, get one out of something I've said tonight. Make your life count. You say, Clark, I haven't got any money. Well, I've never had any money, really. <laughs> never stopped me doing anything. I've spent millions. Not in debt, either. It's all paid for. God and you can do anything. If you build your faith in God, hear a word from God and obey Him. Money is not the issue. Your faith in Christ is the issue. I'm not talking about doing crazy, stupid things. You don't do them. I'm talking about listening to God, doing what He tells me to do, walking by faith in the power of God. You can do anything. With, with or without resources, you can do anything. What is your grand obsession? Maybe you'd like to get this CD. I'm sure they've copied it here or done whatever they've done with it. And play it again and look for your grand obsession if you don't have one. And then develop your focus. Your focus will be challenged. That's my experience of life. The greater the focus, the greater the challenge to it. But if you are determined and you have gotten a settle on torch rather than a bushfire blazing, you'll cut through steel. And every obstacle that comes, you'll count it pleasure. Because you'll remember pain and pleasure. I take pleasure in infirmities, in persecutions, in distress, in needs, in wants. When I'm in the sea, when snakes bite me, all this stuff. Oh, I love focus. I think it's one of the most grand things God has ever taught me. Focus. And to keep on developing it to a white-hot heat that the only thing will stop me is if by some weird chance He can kill me. And He can't do that till God wants me home. So I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, glory to God. Life is absolutely wonderful. Your life is. What are you going to do with it? Say, well, Clark, I'm a farmer. Oh, you could do a lot with a farmer, man, a lot. A housewife, whoa, you could do a lot. Anyhow, there we go. You know, some of you here might never have started even. You mightn't have started the journey with God. That God hasn't come into your life. A Christian is not somebody who just believes certain things. A Christian is somebody in whom the Spirit of Jesus Christ has come to live. He is the awesome one. The creator of the world. The one who died on the cross for you. The one who loves you. And if you invite Him to come into your life and share your life, well, share your life, your life will be so different and he'll show you the best possible way to live when you learn some of the keys of life you'll live a fulfilled 
and happy life. You say, but Clark, you're telling me you died. I can tell you I popped back to life again. <laughs> 20 times. I only died 19. But I popped back 20. Five times they put the paddles on me. Brought me back. But they brought me back. I lived. I lived. I had some preachers that came and saw me. They told me I was done. But they were wrong. They were wrong. I lived. Glory to God. I feel like doing something stupid. So, what's your problem? I read what Paul's was. I thank God I've had an easy life compared to that fella. Good Lord. I've just had a dream run compared to him. For I like him so much. He encouraged me. If you've never asked God to come into your life, do it tonight. Could we pray? Would you say this prayer out loud together after me? And it's going to be a prayer asking him to come into your life. Would you say this after me? My Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to come into my life to join yourself to my spirit, to be my Savior, my Lord, my God, my God. Please forgive my sin. Please forgive my sin. All of my sin. All of my sin. Thought, word, and deed. Thought, word, and deed. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my heart. I receive you as my Savior now. I receive you as my Savior now. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this moment of privacy, if you said that prayer and really meant it for the first time, would you just quietly slip up your hand? I'll be looking, but I think I'm the only one looking. Would you raise it? I'd like to pray a special prayer for you. Would you? Would you? Would you? Would you? Maybe everybody here is saved. You can look this way. Okay. I believe in the power of focus implicitly. I know what it's meant to me. Without it, I would have just died. One night I felt death come in after those five times they brought me back with the paddles. I was in this special care. And I, when I woke up, I could see this presence coming for me. I knew it was death. And I couldn't talk. I was too weak. But I could think. And my thoughts were, because I've learned the covenant. I have a covenant with you, Jesus. And you said... When I'm in trouble, you'll come to my aid. I'm in trouble now. And while I'd hold my thoughts there, that presence would lift. My eyes were open. I somehow knew that if I closed my eyes, I'd, I was, it was all over. And I never closed them once. That night, all night long it lasted. And towards morning, I felt the battle was over. I still couldn't talk. I was extremely weak. And when I felt it was over, I lay my head down with relaxation and went to sleep. Friend, if it wasn't for learning the power of focus and the power of the covenant, why, well, I wouldn't be walking around here today. It's a powerful thing. So tonight... You can give away what you've got. You can't give away a theory. You can only give to somebody a book, they can read it. But what's been built into your life, you can impart it to other people. And if it has struck a chord with you tonight, now my praying with you and imparting to you isn't all the answer, but mine alive, it's a big help. I talk about it like this. I think it's like when David took the slingshot and he brought the Goliath down. And that's what impartation will do. But then David had to take Goliath's sword 
and he dragged it across his throat. And that was the first fountain in the desert. Cut his head off. And the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, applied to your life and your faith in God's promises to you will sharpen your focus. It's a wonderful thing. So if you'd like to come tonight and make a line across the front, however many would like to come, I'd love to pray with you and impart some spiritual power of focus. So if you'd like to come, I'd love to pray with you.